Amen. That's a good song. Isn't it? What a tremendous message. Certainly appreciate the music here at the church and all those that participate and uh, how the Lord uses each and every one. All right. Are we loud enough out there? All right. Good. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Turn there if you would, please. Again, we've been dealing with our steps to joy. Steps to joy. And uh, today we're going to continue with that. And uh, last week, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. We talked about uh, the first step, and today we're going to talk about another step. And uh, so, 
Steps to Joy. We begin with Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Tonight, just so you know, my understanding is uh, we've got a, one of our missionaries will be with us tonight, uh, Brother Chapman, all the way from Australia. He'll be with us, and we were able to get him in. Um, he just kind of shot us a note and let us know that he'd be in the area. He has a very sick mother, apparently got some bad news. Uh, his mom is older. She's in her 90s, but when you're 90, 90s don't seem so old, and when you're 80s, 90 don't seem so old. And so uh, 90, uh, and she found out she, I believe, has cancer. And so he came back to spend a little time with his mom here, not knowing when or how that will go. Uh, And so he'll be with us tonight. We're very blessed to have him with us. And so our missionary all the way from Australia, Brother Kenny Chapman, will be with us. And uh, you can look forward to coming and hearing him. He's a gracious man. Uh, He was a teacher of mine in uh, Bible college years ago, one of the youngest uh, faculty members, as a matter of fact, I mean, because he's still young and so am I. And uh, so he is um, going to be with us. And uh, he was an interesting character. Uh, he, uh, he just was unusual. He was a little bit different. He's one of my favorite teachers. And um, I still remember uh, doing a, a, a study on, um, well, he, he had us do uh, a, a report on whatever we chose to do. And I did a report on the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And uh, he, uh, he, he flunked me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> actually, he, he did come back to me and he said, you, you make some interesting points. I'm going to have to do a little research on that. And I said, well, good. And I've believed the same ever since. And uh, I see it outlined and spelled out in the Bible. And I don't know if he ever got that figured out or not, but... The student teaching the teacher, that's unusual, right? And, uh, you know, and you say, oh, you're pretty arrogant. No, he taught me a lot, too, I promise you that. Uh, He also had to humble me a little bit, I guess, every once in a while, but uh, that was good. And uh, you know what? I like a little fire from our young people. I like him to dig in, and uh, sometimes, you know, uh, he made me think about things, and uh, he challenged my thoughts. And I wouldn't give you a plumb nickel for a guy that's going to go into ministry but doesn't have some ideas what the Bible teaches. I wouldn't give you a plumb nickel for it. Now, you get to correct some things along the way, maybe, and, you, you know, allow that experience of years and the lives of others to help you. But, my goodness, if you haven't done your own study and you haven't dug a little bit, you're not making a few mistakes, then you're probably not doing a whole lot. You try to do anything in life, you're going to make mistakes. And if so, if you're not making mistakes, my friend, you're doing absolutely nothing in life. All right? So get at it. Make a few mistakes along the way, all right? Embrace the mistakes. Learn from them and grow by them. And uh, I made plenty of them. And Brother Chapman, don't ask him, but I'm sure he could tell you a bunch of them that I made. So don't ask him. All right. So anyway, he'll be with us tonight. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Thou wilt shew me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Again, thou wilt shew me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Oh, I like that. We noted that uh, last week, we noted that the early church was admonished to count it all joy when they fell into temptation or diverse temptations. And we said that basically those diverse temptations were none other than persecution. And we know that due to their stand for Christ, they found themselves being branded as enemies of the state. We also noted that they were hunted and killed by both Jewish leaders and the Roman government. 
You know, Judaism sent out men like, the, like, like Saul, who would ultimately be called Paul, to capture and to cast many of these new believers into prison. The Romans, on the other hand, found early believers to be a good sport. And so they placed them in the Colosseum, and there they stained the Colosseum floor with their blood. There was nothing comfortable or enjoyable about being hunted by the authorities. There was nothing that was leisurely or or satisfying about being chased along and hunted down like wild animals. And yet, in this passage we found last week, the passage that we talked about and the passage that we worked on last week mentioned the fact that we are to count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. How in the world could the early church find joy in an environment like that? Well, we made the, the observation that joy is not rooted in circumstance but in Christ. See, joy's not rooted in circumstance, but Christ. That's how they could have joy in their life, in spite of the fact that they were being hunted and and sought after. That's why they could still find joy in their relationships with one another and their relationship to their church and their relationship to their master. Why? Because the, the joy was found in that relationship with Christ. It was found in him. And they were able to focus their attention on Christ and not their circumstance, and they found joy. And so we noted Romans 5, 11 that says, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And we took some time to consider some of the things that God has done in our life that bring us joy. And we said he saved us. We said he sanctified us. We said he secured us. Not only are we saved today and not only are we separated from the world in which we once lived, not only are we free now to serve the living God, not only do we have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to enable us to have victory in this Christian life over this flesh in which we live, but the fact is today is we are secure in Christ. We have an eternal home in heaven. And he says, when you start doubting whether or not you ought to be joyful, when you start finding yourself burdened down with, the, with life itself, you keep looking up to me and you realize everything that I've done for you and you know what I've done in relationship to your soul and your sin and you just rejoice knowing you're saved, knowing you're sanctified, knowing you're secure. And that's all a result of him, Jesus Christ. That's where joy is found. It's rooted in Christ. Take your Bible now, if you would, and turn over to the book of Luke, chapter 15. So, first of all, we noted that, number one, that first step or that first aspect of joy, if you're going to find joy, if you're going to experience joy, you better get a hold of salvation. you got to get a hold of the Lord Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with Him because joy is found in Him. And the only way that you are rooted in Christ is to be born again into the body of, into the, and be placed into the body of Christ. And you, you have to be saved. You have to be saved. And so salvation is the first step. You say, I want to find joy. Well, then you better trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Because He's the only eternal one. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And boy, I tell you, you get rooted in that. You start growing your roots deep in Christ. My friend, He'll never let you down. You'll always have reason to rejoice and to experience joy in a permanent Savior, Jesus Christ, that offers a permanent salvation. Notice now in Luke chapter 15, we consider we're going to talk today about the second step. Not only do we need salvation, but number two, we need surrender. 
you're going to experience joy in your life, you're going to have to surrender yourself to the one who saved your soul. Notice what it says in the book of Luke. We come across a man, a young man actually. He is one of two sons that uh, is working a farm, if you will, with daddy. Notice how this goes down. See how it transpires. It says, it says in Luke chapter 15, I usually write out all my passages, and this one particularly I did not because it's so long. Chapter 15, verse 11, let's begin reading there. It says, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. This younger son in the passage, of course, he's kind of fed up with his life. He feels like it's a little bit boring. It's not quite as exciting as he'd like it to be. He decided it was time to sow a few wild oats. He just felt that there was more to the world that the world had to offer than what daddy could give him. There was just so much more he was missing out on than what his father could provide. And so he decided, listen, if I can work it out and if dad will be uh, willing to give me my portion, I'm going to take it now. I'm going to live my life now. I'm going to enjoy my things now. Man, one day I'll be old like dad and I won't be able to enjoy the money anyway. I might as well just spend it and have a good time right now. And boy, did he ever. I'm sure that in the midst of that partying and having a good time, I'm sure I mean, in the midst of partying and doing all those things, he thought to himself, this is fun. This is a good time. Man, I'll tell you what, this is pretty awesome. Let me tell you something. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. We lie to our young people and we tell them things like, oh, sin has no pleasure. That's a lie. It does have pleasure. Let me tell you something. It is a temporary pleasure. It's not a permanent pleasure. It's something that only lasts for the meantime, but it is not for the long haul. And may I say to you today that the devil is more than happy to give you something now to dangle carrot in front of your face and to tell you that you just need to grab hold of it now because it may not be there tomorrow. And you bite on that thing and you take it and you say, this is great. It satisfies for now. But my friend, God is a different kind of God. He doesn't want you just to be happy today. He wants you to be happy tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And he says, listen, you knock that carrot off. 
Don't you dare follow after Satan and his little lure and his little piece of candy. You go ahead and be patient. You wait on the Lord and you do things my way and you'll get my results. And this young man bought into the lie of Satan and there he went off into the world. He went in search of adventure. He went in search of joy. And he found only misery. And the Bible tells us he finally came to himself. And I don't know what that means exactly, but it sure seems like he just woke up. Seems like one day he finally said to himself, Wow, what am I doing here and how did I get this far down? Maybe you've been there. I have. And the Bible tells us that he came to himself. The idea again, he finally just woke up. And this younger son, he, he oh, might have been seeking adventure. He didn't find it. He might have been seeking joy, but he never found it. He woke up to the fact that his pursuit of adventure and joy had come to a screeching halt. That's what he woke up to. He woke up to the fact that his present situation was hopeless. He woke up to the fact that his past situation wasn't as bad as he had thought it was. He woke up to the fact that he really didn't, excuse me, he woke up that he really needed and desired only to be found in the Father and in the presence of his daddy. He only needed dad. He woke up to that. At one point he said, I don't need you, dad. I don't need what you have. I don't want what you have. I'm going to go seek it out myself. And he left dad in the dust. But I'll tell you what, out there one day, after he came to the end of himself, after he finally woke up to himself, after he finally realized where he had finally sunk and how deep he had gone, he turned around and realized something very important. Wow, I left dad in the dust. Man, it's daddy that I really need. It's dad who can provide for my every need. It's dad who will meet my satisfaction and make me feel fulfilled. It's dad that can provide for me everything that's necessary in life. It's dad that I need. It's not this life and it's not my will. It's only daddy that can do that. Boy, I'll tell you what, he went back to daddy. He surrendered himself. He died to self, if you will. He made up his mind. Listen, I'm never going to find what I'm looking for out here. I need the Father. I want to share with you three thoughts about surrender today, very, very quickly. One, I'm going to share surrendered expected. It's expected. Surrender explained. I'm going to explain a little bit about it. And then finally, I want to touch on this thought very quickly, surrender experienced. All right, so let's take a few minutes and have a word of prayer. But I can tell you this right now, joy is only found in the Lord. I'm telling you, I don't care, you can search the world over, friend, but true joy, lasting joy is only found in Him. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, again, help us, Lord, we need you. May you meet our needs. Help us to realize, Lord, that it's you that we need, Lord Jesus. That it is your presence. It's your power. It's your person. And, Lord, just help us today as we consider this aspect of surrender. Because, Lord, the truth is we might be saved, but we also need to be surrendered. Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you as you meet our needs. And, Lord, if there be any in this room that have yet to even come to faith, yet to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. They may believe in you as a God, but they've never believed in you as Savior and Lord. May they settle that before they leave. And Lord, for the believer, may we understand that, Lord, there's more than just salvation. There is a surrender that's needed. May we be able to do that before we leave today if we haven't already. In Christ's name we pray, amen. First of all, surrender expected. We're talking about joy and, and possessing joy in our life. And we know that it's in Christ. It's not in circumstance, it's in Christ. 
But this surrender aspect is expected. God expects us to surrender to him. The Lord Jesus Christ demands that we surrender to him once we've received and accepted him. Look, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 19, the Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. We see this truth echoed again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, when he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? See, the fact is, is according to the Word of God, that when you've been saved or you've been born again, those are synonymous terms. If you've received Christ as your Savior, once again, a synonymous term. The fact is, is that the Bible tells us that your body is now the property of God. You are the property of God. The Bible says you've been bought with a price. You've been purchased with the blood, the sacrifice, the burden, the the, the, the agony of the Lord Jesus Christ. His body was broken. His blood was shed. He was buried and he rose again the third day. He did that all for you. He purchased you with his blood. It would be ridiculous to believe that we can do as we please. That we can do whatever we choose with what is God's and somehow expect Him to bless us with approval and joy. Although this surrender is expected by God, it's not something that we seek solely for personal gain, though. You know, the danger today is that we live in such a selfish, self-centered culture and attitude and, and world and environment today that everything's about us. And we have to be very careful with this surrender aspect. We're talking about steps to joy. So obviously, if you, you get saved and then you surrender, you're on the road to joy. And we make joy the goal. Because joy is what we want. Joy is what we feel we need. Joy will make our life better. Joy is all about me. Does that make any sense? You say, well, wait, it's what God wants for me. Yes, but he doesn't want you to want that more than him. See, so often, again, we go to God only for something from him, not for God himself. You know, we go to God and we're always asking God, God, do this for me. God, do that for me. God, meet this need. God, meet that need. We even ask things like, God, give me power. Why? So that I can win souls. Why? So that I can tell somebody what God has done for me. And ultimately, if we're not careful, who glorifies themselves? Who's the one getting the glory? Me. Look what God's done in my life. I'm a sterling example of the presence and power of God in my life. Look at me. Wait a second, who just got the glory for that? Now, again, you can't help what people walk and notice in your life. You can't, you can't go around with a paper bag over your head, so to speak. I understand that, but the truth is, is that what is our motivation? Why is it that we seek after joy so vehemently, but we want nothing to do with Christ? It's because we're selfish. We understand when we come to him, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's going to demand some things of us. He's going to require some things of us. 
that there's going to be some things that potentially, possibly may have to change. And boy, I'll tell you what, we don't want change, we just want joy. We don't want Christ, we just want the joy that he can and only can give us. And so if we're not careful, we have a problem. No, Lord, I don't want you, I want myself still. But I, don't, I do want you to cleanse me, and I do want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be on display in your showcase so I can say, this is what God has done for me. Wow, that's selfish. It's about you then. See, we're speaking on steps to joy. And again, we're, we're saying that joy comes from one surrendered to Christ. However, if the benefit of surrender is the only reason that you feel compelled to surrender, then you're just being downright selfish. We have to surrender because that's what Christ deserves from us. He deserves a surrendered life. Oh, yes, I know he demands it in that sense, and, and I, I get that. I, I realize that. But the truth is, is that we, he, he deserves our best. He deserves our surrender. This isn't something that's optional. We ought to want to surrender to God. We ought to be willing to give it back to God. We ought to be able to say, yes, you bought me with a price, and now here is what you purchased. It's all yours. And I do that because you deserve it. Not because I just want the joy. I just, see, when it's all said and done, joy is a byproduct of that surrender and not the reward of it. So if we're motivated to surrender solely for our own joy's sake, then it is a selfish reason. And I want to encourage you to think about why, why are you surrendered or why have you chosen to try to surrender yourself if you already have? Is it just so that you can have the benefit, reap the benefit of what God has for you? Or is it because you simply know he deserves all of me because he purchased me with a price? Number two, surrender explained. Surrender is a battle term. And, and many times, you know, we, we uh, have have watched shows, you know, I remember the Cowboys and Indians, you know, and, and all those different kind of shows. And boy, I'll tell you what, it's funny, even in wartime, I still see John Wayne or somebody, not John Wayne, he would never carry one of these babies, you know, John Wayne was going, he's going to the grave, you know what I mean? But some of those wimpy guys, he probably led, they probably flipped one up there every once in a while, something like that, but not Big John, no way. Anyway, you know, we wave that flag, you know, and, and surrender is a battle term. It implies giving up all rights to the conqueror, doesn't it? I mean, giving it all up. When, when an opposing army surrenders, they lay down their arms, right? They put down their weapons. The winner takes full control of them. A, a surrender, surrendering to God works the same way. We, we hold up the white flag. We, we raise it up and basically we say, God, listen to me. I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm giving my all to you. I want you to plan my life now. I'm surrendering myself to you completely. It's your plans. It's your, your goals for me. It's everything you want for me. I'm surrendering what I want and I want what you want. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got to hold that white flag up and we've got to surrender. See, the good news is, is that when you take this white flag and you hold it up to God... It's funny how it works. You know, it always turns out better for you. Now, again, that ought not to be the reason for it. Hey, listen, I'm holding the white flag up because you deserve it, God. You purchased me with a price. I'm truly deserve, you deserve all of me. After everything you've done for me, how could I not want to give it all back to you? I surrender my all to you, Lord Jesus, just because you deserve it. But boy, when you do that, it's amazing how God functions and operates. I mean, it, it's really amazing. In Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible says, For I know the thoughts that, that, that I think toward you, saith the Lord, 
thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. In Proverbs 14, 12, he goes on to say, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. See, the good news again is that God's plan for us is always in our best interest, unlike our plans for ourselves. They usually end in destruction. See, Christ, he's all about conquering us so he can bless us, if you will. It's not talking about like the world conquers us and then they, they, they put us under their foot or, or they under their thumb or they demand what they want and take it brutally and take it un, un, res, unreservedly and it's all about them. It's all about them. No, God, he wants you to surrender. He wants you to wave the white flag because he wants to be able to say, all right, now that you've given back what is rightfully mine, I'm going to take your life and I'm going to make it better than you could ever imagine. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to provide and protect I'm going to be there for you in a way that you have never dreamed or ever imagined. God would have us surrender all and not just part, though. In Romans 6.13, he says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We are to yield ourselves. That's another word, if you would, that implies surrender, does it not? There's little doubt from the passage that God demands that we surrender totally, giving ourselves completely. He wants the whole, not the part. He says, yield yourselves unto God. Yield yourselves unto God. Unto God. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus said that his followers must deny themselves. He said in Mark 8, 34, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And once again, surrender is, is undoubtedly being implied here. There's without a doubt. So see, we come to Christ. We, we trust him as our savior. We get saved. But the fact is, is that there's still an element of surrender. We have to recognize the one who gave his all for us and realize that he purchased us with a price and say to him, listen, you, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna surrender so I can have the benefit of surrender. I'm gonna surrender because you deserve it. And I'll, I'll, I'll have joy as a byproduct, not a reward for surrender. There's probably no greater example of a surrendered believer's life than the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest of all time. He writes to the Galatians and he sums up the Christian life when he says in 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This kind of surrendered life is pleasing to God. And it results in some of the greatest of human joy and fulfillment that you can possibly experience. Finally, surrender experienced. Surrender can be difficult. It can be tough to surrender our lives. It can be tough to to surrender that old self that's bent on getting its own way all the time. You know, we have our own plans. We have our own dreams, right? I mean, that's that's how we, we grow up having dreams. We, and, and there's nothing wrong with dreams and we need dreams and we ought to have desires and we ought to, we ought to encourage our kids to dream big and all of that. But there comes a point when we've trusted Christ, when we've been saved, that, that we have to take the step to surrender our life. And that means potentially giving up our dream for his dream. 
And that's what rides us wrong. That's what makes us feel a little uncomfortable. That's what bothers us so many times. We look at that and say, well, man, is it really worth the cost? I've spent a lifetime up to this point trying to place myself in a position where I feel comfortable, where I feel secure, where I feel successful, where I feel good about myself. And now I'm going to just give it all up potentially for God. I'm just going to let him do as he pleases in my life. Direct me, guide me, steer me wherever he chooses to place me. Do with me as he pleases. I don't know if I can trust him with that control. It's not always the easiest thing to take up our cross and follow him. Matthew 13, 44 says again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. Listen now, here's what he says. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field. The which, when a man hath found it, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found it, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. You say, what's this have to do with surrender? Well, Notice that the man sells and surrenders everything so he can buy the field. Do you see that? In this case, he sells everything. He surrenders everything so he can buy the field. And and you know what? The Bible even says it's not hard for him. And, And even more so, it says he does it with joy. He sells everything. He surrenders everything. And he does it with joy. You say, how in the world can that be? Well, the man is looking past an empty lot and instead he sees the treasure that's buried beneath. He says, I'm going to sell everything I've got. I'm going to sell my house if I have to. I'm going to sell my car. I'm going to get rid of this and that. Maybe a few of my kids if they're not acting right. But he's getting rid of everything. And he does it with joy, the Bible says. Why? Because he knows that that field he's purchasing right there is is uniquely blessed with a treasure buried in it. Man, everybody else walks by and they see the field and they go, wow, that looks like just an empty lot. He's crazy. Surrendering everything. Selling everything for an empty lot. Is Is he out of his mind? Is he off his rocker? Doesn't he know what he's doing? Is he insane? And the man goes, this is great. I love it. Can't wait. He walks on down there and he says, I've sold everything. I want to buy that piece of property. And everybody goes, what? You sure? Let me try to talk you out of it first. No, 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 no. I want to buy it and I want to do it with a good spirit. I got a smile on my face. I've got joy in my heart. I can't wait to own that property. But see, nobody else sees the treasure buried in it. They don't even know it's there. They can't understand being willing to sell or surrender everything. But he can. Because see, he's looking past the empty lot. He's focusing on the buried treasure. And may I say today that the Lord Jesus Christ is a buried treasure. And probably the reason why we struggle so much for full surrender, the reason why we have such difficulty in in, in giving it all up and selling it all, if you will, and surrendering it all, if you will, 
because we don't realize how great a treasure he is. We don't realize that he's worth every penny and that everything we've got, the moment that we surrender it all, we're only going to have even more in the sense, oh, we may not have more money, we may not have more prestige, we may not have more accolades or, 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 or awards in this world, but we will have the approval of God and we'll have the joy of the Lord in our life. We'll have all the tangibles, the things, the intangibles, as well as the necessary tangibles. God will give us everything we need. We just downright don't believe that Jesus is an all-satisfying treasure. We don't think that the joy that we'll have in him could ever surpass anything that we'd have to give up. If I had to give up anything, I don't know if it'd be worth it. That's why we struggle with surrender in our life. Because we don't know that what Christ can give us can equal what we'd have to give up. And there are some that still give it up but not with joy. And how sad is that existence? Well, I guess I have to do that. And I guess I'm going to have to surrender this. And I'm going to, let me tell you something. You're only partly surrendered because you know what? You can surrender on the outside, but not be surrendered on the inside. You can appear to be surrendered, but I'm going to tell you something. Until you recognize and understand how good God is and how valuable a treasure he really is, you will never find surrender pleasurable. Or joyful. This man said, you know what? I don't care what it costs me. I'm buying the field. Because he knew how valuable the treasure was. When we get a glimpse of Jesus Christ for who he really is according to the word of God. And recognize how much he wants for us and how good he is to us and has been to us. All of a sudden there's nothing that he's asking from us that can even compete with what he has for us. Do you realize the awful price that Christ paid to even be able to offer you his forgiveness and salvation? You ever thought about that? Consider the price that he paid just so that you could have the opportunity to trust him, to receive him and accept him. Can you wrap your mind around the agony and the suffering that was demanded in order for you to be granted a home in heaven forever? If you've never invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your life and in essence remain in rebellion against him this day, you must run up the white flag, my friend, and surrender to his salvation. You need to say, Lord, I'm tired of running and seeking everything in this life on my own. I know that I've been searching and I've never found what I'm really looking for. There's still an emptiness. There's still a void. There's still a lack of satisfaction and fulfillment that I've been seeking, a permanent satisfaction and fulfillment. What's missing? It's you, Jesus Christ. I need you today. And right now, I surrender my soul to you. I surrender my life in that sense. I come to you receiving and accepting your son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. Maybe you're a child of God today and you've been saved, but you haven't really surrendered and you know in your heart there's areas of your life that are not surrendered. You need to run the white flag up again and say, oh, I may have come to you in salvation some years ago or some months ago, but I tell you what, Lord, there's some areas of my life I have not yielded, I have not given you, and I know that that's probably one of the great reasons why I still feel this burden, why I still feel guilt, while I'm still 
burdened down with conviction at times. I know that the joy that I want to have and that I'm seeking and searching is not going to be found in me or the things that I'm searching them out for. I know that it's not just a happy home that will give me the joy. It's not just a good relationship. It's not just a good job. It's not just a solid career. Those things are flighting. They can fly away. They can depart. And I'll have joy one moment and I won't have it the next. God, I need joy. I need you, Jesus Christ. And I surrender myself to you today. You need to surrender your life to Christ as a believer now. It's not enough to just get saved. If you truly want the true benefit of the Christian life, then you have to be in the place to receive it, and that's in his presence, and that is not in yourself. It's in him. You've got to surrender to him today. It's time we run up some white flags, I think. It's time we get to sur- surrendering. Steps to joy. You need to be saved. Salvation. You need to be surrendered. What will it be today? Will you see the surrender as a joy? Or will it be a burden? Will you see the field as simply an empty lot? Or an amazing piece of ground with a treasure that's worth everything? Father, we come to you.